0: Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulet. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs joined by Christian Bolay as always as the off season marches on and the second round starts to wind down we've got the Eastern Conference final locked in Carolina versus Florida to the fascination of every big market team in the NHL definitely I don't even know how to describe it I mean it's a it's a great matchup probably not going to do great ratings wise
1: Not going to do great ratings wise, but I'm going to watch every second of it because I think these two teams match up really well and I'm excited to see them play against each other.
0: It's a fascinating series. I'll get into my thoughts on everyone calling this bad for the league later on, but we're getting towards the end of the second round. We've got one matchup locked in waiting for the winner of game seven between Seattle and Dallas and recording before game six between vegas and edmonton but by the time you're hearing this vegas could be through to the western conference final but we'll get to all of that in time what i wanted to focus on today is the ufas for the colorado avalanche coming up because it could really change at any time like we have a lot of time to talk about things but realistically like we could wake up tomorrow to an evan rodriguez contract if they've been working on it like there's no set timetable for any of this so i figure I just talk about it now and talk about some of these guys coming up, if they're going to be back, if they should be back. And we already talked about one right off the top. This is the one I think we're going to be in complete agreement on. Evan Rodriguez, should he be back, Christian?
1: Uh, before we do that, I just want to give a warning to all the listeners. I am currently dog-sitting three dogs, so if you hear barking in this episode, just know I have... My house is full of dogs. I'm that crazy dog guy right now. Um, But getting back to the question with Evan Rodriguez, I would love Evan Rodriguez back. I I think outside of McKinnon and Rantanen, he was the best player in the playoffs. He had a couple ups and downs in the year, but overall, I thought he fit in with the team really well. And I do want to caution us, though, because let's be honest. Any player that plays on the wing with Nathan McKinnon or Miko Ranson is going to have a good year. Like That's just how it works. But I think Rodriguez is young enough and he he fits the core that
0: I think he should be back. Well, I also think it's one of the reasons that he should be back is not just because, oh, he put up well with McKinnon and Ranson. It's because he fits so well with McKinnon and Ranson. Because I think it's easy to look at like, oh, you're playing with two of the best players in the world. You got an easy job. It's so hard sometimes for players to fit on that line because it's easy to be like oh i'm just gonna let them do all the work and then just not help at all or try so hard to fit in that you just end up getting in the way i found that erod was able to find a good balance between both of joining the rush with them giving them someone to look off of and give them room to make decisions and also when to just get out of the way let let nathan mckinnon handle this rush i don't want to even give him anything else to think about. Like I thought he fit really well on that top line. He finishes the season with 16 goals, 23 assists, 39 points, which don't really pop off the page for a 29-year-old. But again, just the way he played this season with them and how he can really fit anywhere in the lineup. If he can keep him on the second line, you can bump him down to the third line if really need be. You look at the players on... market in this UFA class across the league, especially when you don't have Gabe Landeskog coming through that door this season, I have a hard time finding a guy that you know is just going to fit on this team, especially without Landeskog joining this team this season. You have a guy in Rodriguez that you know is just going to work wherever you put him, and he wants to stay, as he said in his post-Game 7 conference that he likes it here, I just think there's there's a natural fit here.
1: I agree. It's just going to be how much money is he going to get. And that can concern me because would you say anything over 3.5 is an overpay?
0: I The highest I'd be willing to do is four. I I've, I've yeah, wouldn't go that high. I know. It seems a little high, but I think I could stomach four.
1: Yeah. I just think anything over 3.5 is a little bit of an overpay and I I think he wants to come back. He took his prove it year deal last year. Uh, Like you said earlier, his stats don't jump off the page, but he was a very important key piece on a division champion and the playoffs is what people are going to remember. And when they look at the playoffs, Evan Rodriguez was phenomenal in the playoffs and that's back-to-back years because last year with Pittsburgh, he was pretty solid in the playoffs too. So you're getting someone who can perform in the playoffs. He was relatively healthy all year. I think he only missed like seven to 10 games. He didn't miss a ton.
0: He played, he played 69 uh, games. So he missed about 13,
1: 13. Oh yeah. Cause remember he stepped on that stick and like yeah. the stretch was growing. Yeah. I remember that now, but for me, if it's anything over 3.5, I, I think it's a little bit of an overpay. I don't think they'll go that high. Do I think a team like Arizona is not going to do it? Like maybe Anaheim does it?
0: I I I don't know. I think it's a team that is probably going to be competing for a cup next season or a playoff hopeful team. That's going to give him similar money because he's again, the kind of player that is cheaper than most, not going to get a ton of money. Like this isn't a, this isn't a Brandon sod, situation where he has like a established career of production and has played up and down lineups in Chicago and Columbus and was a borderline top line player on the team like Rodriguez has really only had two seasons of production and he's he's 29 years old he is the definition of a late bloomer he had 43 last year with Pittsburgh in a full 82 game season where he was absurdly hot for like 2 months and then this year Comes into Colorado, 39 points in 69 games. Plays a pretty consistent top six role all season. Like if he does hit the open market, I think there's going to be teams, good teams, that go out and try to get him. But it's like I was saying about the the UFA class is if you're not bringing back Evan Rodriguez, you need to bring someone else in, and it's not going to be Gabe Landeskog as I've said three times already. And who would that even be? We can talk about that on a later episode, but spoilers you're not going to get an Evan Rodriguez guy for Evan Rodriguez money. You're going to need to spend more to get a guy to even give you what Rodriguez gave you this season. And you don't even know if that guy is going to be a fit. It just seems to me that this is just perfect right now for both sides. Rodriguez works here. I think they're going to give him a fair contract. Like I I think 3.5 or three is fair considering what we got from him this season on a maybe three, four year contract. Maybe you give him the four as an extra year to bring that number down. But just with the way he played this season with the Avs and the way he really fit on just about any line. Yeah. He had some consistency issues in the regular season. Who did though? <laughs> I mean, outside of McKinnon and Rantanen, who didn't have like massive consistency issues. And there, yeah, there were times where he wasn't the best, but he still worked hard in every game. And you give someone a home, you give them their money, and you give them a role. Sometimes that just takes a weight off of your shoulders. And you know, when the playoffs roll around, he's going to give you everything he's got.
1: Yep, I agree. I, I just think if you go over 3.5, that's just, I don't know, it just seems like a little too much for him. Like I I, I, I think they get him like four years, 3.25 is what they probably get him at.
0: I think I think in that price range is fair, even if it is above three point five and it's getting closer to four. Honestly, I just don't see how he has the body of work to negotiate that kind of contract. But if that is the case, I I'd feel like I'd still be able to stomach that just because of the fit, the familiarity, and who's the replacement going to be? Because. If you're bringing in an Erod replacement, you're probably paying more than four anyway. Right, I agree
1: with that, and and that's that's where the trades can happen. There can be something like that. It's going to be interesting. Right, I'm going to be honest. Like I, I see the way you're going here, and I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if Erod hits the free agency like waters, I don't think he's coming back.
0: Yeah, I, I think this will get done before UFA. Yeah. I, I don't think this is going to be a thing that's done like July 2nd. Like, I think this could be done like a month ahead of time, honestly. Yeah.
1: because in my opinion, if he gets to the free, like the UFA period, I think he's gone. Because the Avs will have offered him probably like two or three times. And knowing McFarlane and Joe Sackick, they'll have a plan in place to get someone else in by then. Right.
0: It, like at that point, they'll know the answer right. for Evan Rodriguez. And if he's really insistent on hitting the UFA market, I don't think they're going to tug that hard at that point. Like I think they'll have moved on to other things. So if Erod comes back, it's going to be before the UFA period. If we get to that day and he's not signed much like Brandon Saad two years ago, it's probably just going to be over at that point.
1: Remember that drama where it was like Saad and Landeskog were both free agents and it was like, who are we going to resign? And they made the right like, I love Brandon Saad. I thought he was a good player for the abs, but you would have been Crazy if you re-signed him instead of Landeskog.
0: Yeah. Oh, I remember that discussion. This that was my first off-season doing yeah. this show. I mean, like I campaigned so hard to bring Sod back, not at the expense of Landeskog, but w- remember the way he played in that. Oh, he was phenomenal. He was incredible in the playoffs, especially against Vegas, where he was put basically putting up a goal in every single game, but. With the with giving Landeskog the contract, like there just wasn't the fit there money wise. Remember the rumor that like they were both gonna go to St. Louis.
1: Yeah, that would have broke my heart. That would have been a tough pill to swallow. Could you imagine if we still win the Cup last year and it's Landis Gog and Saad on the fucking Blues? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell miserable. you this:
0: I don't think we win the Cup if that happens. Yeah, I
1: agree. I agree. But wrapping up on Evan Rodriguez, we both want him back you're in the range of three to four. I don't want to go above 3.5, but we I, both I agree. Don't,
0: I don't either. I don't want to go above 3.5, yeah. but if it does get announced to be 3.75 or 4, it won't be great. That is that is an overpayment. Let me be clear. Like I think that's a lot for Erod. But considering the alternative, I could live with it. That's if, fair. If it's 4 million for like two years, it's not like a three, four year contract. I think that's fine. Honestly. But if you're giving him the four years and you're bringing that hit down to three, I think that's fine too.
1: I agree. I just, I was looking to see if there was a contract similar to the player, if if we could find one, but I don't really see one. You know what I mean? Like yep. I, like, I'm, like, a player similar to Rodriguez, like is Cal Yarncrow Yarn similar to what Rodriguez could get or is Yarncro a better player?
0: that's a good question it's hard to really say because yarn crow got 2.1 for four right with Toronto, right and but rodriguez was two million outright this season i i just think around that three million dollar range is pretty realistic yeah because
1: like I, I think of yarn crow and rodriguez as pretty similar players
0: like production wise I would think so. I mean, I haven't really thought about that comparison yeah. off the the top of my head. But the great player, was
1: a player, we can talk about that later. If the Maple Leafs truly are like trying to blow it up, if you could snag Yarncrow away, I would love that.
0: He's like one of the few guys they have under contract for a while. Yeah. And you know what? Like we were talking before we started about just how great of a tool Cat friendly is. They have like just custom contract comparables. And so here's an answer on some guys with very similar contracts, Boone Jenner signed a 3.75 at 29 years old for four years as a center. And a lot of these contracts are kind of outdated. Like one of them's Matt Stagen. Remember that guy? <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a while. Yeah, but actually there's, there's two of them that are, that are Matt staging actually, but like yeah, Nick, Nick Bonino signed 4.1 in Anaheim as a UFA. I mean, this is mainly looking at centers, which Erod is listed. At. I guess I can look at left wings too. And yeah, some of these aren't great. We're talking like Brett Connolly, uh, Michael Furland, Paul Byron, Yoel Armia. Not the greatest names when we're looking in that 3.5 for three to four year range, but no contract is the same. Right. And I think with Rodriguez, I think with him, you don't have to worry too much. I think the fit is there. It's been established to be there. And it's not like we're talking he had a 62 point season in like a drop off. He had 39 points. I think we know what to expect from this guy. And if he has another season of around 40, 45 points, if he plays a full 82, like no, one's going to be too mad about that. No,
1: no one's gonna be too mad about it. Like I think the high end for Rodriguez is 50 points. um, And then you're muddling right around 35, 45 points, which is acceptable for a, a second, third liner. So I can live with that, but. We got a lot more UFAs to talk about, but Evan Rodriguez was probably the easiest one because I think that's the one we're going to agree on the most. Let's just stick with the forwards. We can kind of rapid fire on these ones because they're fourth line plug guys.
0: Well, we can, uh, we'll let's talk about the other big one first. For... All right, let's do the other big one. You yeah. go. And JT Kopfer is a very interesting one because it seems like the discussion around him is very split. You asked me at the trade deadline, do I think JT Comfer should be back? I'd go, I I think so. Yeah, he's been around long enough. You know him well enough. It just depends on what he's asking for. After the playoffs, I don't know if it's just recency bias or just he's been around long enough that I don't really need to see anymore. I'm not super stoked about bringing him back. The only way that I'd be okay with it is you pay him third-line center money. 2.53 million dollars honestly, his contract that he's on right now pretty much it's 3.5. It was a four year deal at 3.5. There were definitely times that felt like an overpayment this year was probably the time that it felt the most worth it. If you're bringing him back for the exact same thing and the plan is you are third line, that's fine, but he's probably gonna go out there after having a 52 point season, which is a career high and try to go get second line center money at probably close to five, maybe four and a half.
1: I remember we thought he at the trade deadline, because what did Pavel Zaka sign for? Uh, He got like four years, like 5 million a year, I think, if I remember right.
0: Zaka, if I can, once again, cat friendly, wonderful, wonderful tool. Wow. Zaka got 4.75 for 4 years while he was on a 3.5 million dollar contract. And Zaka like he he got that mid-season these these are like shockingly comparable numbers if you look at them back to back. That's actually, right. a, that's a very good comparison Christian. But Zaka got that mid-season while he was doing that with the Bruins in the middle of his career season. I don't think Comfer's going to get that. Because when Zaka signed that contract, he was hot and he was a hot commodity. And like, we need to lock up this guy now. But I think you're on to something with that, with
1: 4.75. And that's way too much for JT Comfort for this team. It's yeah. just way too much. And like you said, JT Comfort's been with the abs for I think he's the third or fourth most tenured player. Like he he's been here for a while and he's been a good player. But we saw the highs of JT Comfort this year. And then in the playoffs, we saw the JT comp we had seen the previous two and a half years. And yeah. I just, I don't think a change of scenery, or I do think a change of scenery is best for him.
0: I think it's just, it's time at a certain point. And in a salary cap era, you can't get caught up in familiarity all of the time and career highs. This just seems like the perfect scenario where it's just, You've been around for how many seasons has it been now? Like seven seasons with the team, it seems almost. And he had a career high of of 52, where his career high before that a season ago was 33. If you're shelling out above four million dollars for that and expecting to get 52 again, I just I don't see that happening. And in the playoffs, he got caved. Like yeah. you you can Use the eye test. You can look at a lot of the analytics from that series. A lot of it suggests he was one of the worst players on the ice in the entire series.
1: And that's the thing is he's going to get paid for his regular season. And in an ideal world, JT Comfer is the third line center for the Avs. But if you pay him four and a half million, that's not third line center money. That's second line center money. And that money can be more spent for the abs to retool their second line than JT Comfer. Because while Comfer was great this year in the regular season, like he he really helped the abs look at the result from this year. Like it, and it, also, it wasn't the same.
0: We talk about like he was just so good in the regular season. He was good in the regular season up until the trade deadline. Yeah, From the trade deadline on, he looked like old JT Comfer, where it's like he's good in a depth role but when you stick him on second line center in a very prominent role on a good team when you're playing good teams he gets kind of exposed and in the playoffs against Seattle that was the case and in the playoffs 2 years ago against Vegas when he was a second line center with Kadri out he got exposed guy's not a second line center we've seen He's it. a great third line center we've seen it multiple times over not a second line center does not mean bad player though very solid third-line center, good in a depth role, as we saw in the playoffs last year. Scored huge goals in the playoffs last year in Game 6 against St. Louis, having both of the goals before the Darren Helm goal. Like What we were talking about with Comfort coming into the season and during the season was the guy only scores big goals. It seems like every goal in his career just comes at a massive time.
1: It does, and I thought the shorthanded goal in Game 3 was the was the start of the big goals for him? It that was like the last highlight for him for the rest of that series, and I think it's just there's the money can be spent on better options in my opinion. So yeah, even I, though like 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 we said, JT Comfort, not a bad player. Right? He's you just cannot pay him second line center money, and that's what he's going to get from someone is second line center money.
0: Even then, like, will he get that kind of money? Because it's not like he has the the name recognition value where he's just this is a second line center. I think if he hits the UFA market, we could see what he gets and be like, wow, that actually wasn't a lot at all. Like it could be four million, but honestly, I don't see him getting a lot more than that because he had he's had one season of good top six production in the regular season, like just good production at 52 points. And then in the playoffs, I think cost himself a lot of money too, because he was bad, just yeah. outright bad in that series. And there's not a lot of body of work to go off of before that, especially when you look at him outside of the depth role.
1: Because in an ideal world, I'd almost like him to take a pay cut to come back.
0: I, I think 3.5, which is what he's on, was worth it for this season but if you're going to get the JT conference of old, then I don't think you can even sign that contract that he has right now. Cause if you're signing him f- for third line center money, 3.5 is still a lot.
1: It is. It's a lot of money. Um, so I love JT confer. He's been great for the avs but I-, I think it's time to, to move on.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just, it's time for an upgrade at second and third line center. Cause you've also like, there are options for second line center out there that you can get, that will probably be close to what Comfer is getting from if the Avs do sign like say four, four and a half. Like if you have to pay an extra million dollars for a guy who's more established, like that just makes more sense.
1: Yeah. And if JT Comfer does come back and it's like a two year, $3 million deal. Yeah. I'd be cool with that. Yeah. If he's your third line center, that that, that seems fair. But I think, I just don't see it in the cards. I really think he's going to get like four million from someone. I really do.
0: Wait, who who do you think that is? Because I I'm trying to think of teams that just seem like a fit for comfort and are going to give him that kind of money, but it's just it's not coming to me.
1: I still see like I think they'd have to do some cap maneuvering, but I could see Pittsburgh doing something like that, like mm-hmm. a one year four million dollar deal. Um, I could see a team like New York Rangers doing it. Like I, I I could see some teams doing it.
0: See, it's because the team that comes to mind first when I asked that question was Buffalo. Just because they always have so much room and they seem to like a lot of our cast offs sometimes.
1: They do. I also like I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago makes a move for him.
0: That'd be interesting.
1: Yeah. I could see Chicago doing something like that just because he's from Chicago area. He may go back home. I don't know. It's going to be tough. I think JT confer is going to be not the drama that Nazim Kadri was with his free agency signing, no. but I would not be shocked in the least if he's not signed until like a couple days after free agency starts.
0: Yeah. Well, Kadri was like two months. Yeah. That's so what I'm saying. Like I, I think confer will just be a guy that gets signed like day one or two, maybe, maybe day three. And we're like, okay, cool. Yeah. So, it's hard to not really expect that. So, all in all, to recap, bringing Comfort back a second line center, that's uh, a hard pass. If you can find a way to bring him back at good bottom six depth money. Sure. E- but even on the current contract that he's on at 3.5, like with the squeeze that you have coming, I just feel like there's better ways to be spending right. that right now. Because like, I feel like last year, outside of the playoffs last year, this regular season, was really the first time you're like, yeah, that's probably worth 3.5 million. Yep.
1: When you first signed it, it was worth 3.5 too.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was decent and you were expecting maybe a little more growth. But now he's 28. Like you you know who he is now. Right. He's not really gonna change.
1: Yeah, I agree. But I i just don't see it happening. I, 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 it. I think he's gone.
0: I don't like I was surprised when I I ran the poll on the teledapstis Twitter. That 64% said yes, that they want JT Comfort back. And I I specifically asked people to not factor in money to that whole thing, but I was still surprised considering the attitude around him, especially after the playoffs, that 64% of the 454 votes said, Yeah, I want him back. I was I was actually kind of expecting that to be almost a resounding no.
1: Yeah, but I think people it, it's he's been around for so long. Yeah. I think that's why people that you get accustomed to things when they've been around for so long.
0: Right, like sometimes it's just hard to picture a guy on another team after so long.
1: Yeah, but I I just think he's uh, I think it's time.
0: I agree. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook as right now new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. As we get towards the end of the first round and into the beginning of the second round, DraftKings has got you covered with same game parlays and all of the best lines and odds you can hope for on any sportsbook. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. See show notes for details at DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Now, back to the episode. Well, we're both no on JT Comfer. We'll move down the list on the forward side. Getting more into the the depth pieces on the team, but guy you acquired at the trade deadline and ended up playing probably more of an important role than you wanted him to, especially late in the playoffs. Lars Eller, who I thought was good here and kind of did almost exactly what I expected of him. He had no offense to speak of, but was very strong defensively and was very important in stabilizing the penalty kill.
1: I liked Lars Eller a lot. I really did. Like, maybe it's because my expectations of him were so low because I, when talking with you, it's kind of like, yeah, this is a sketchy trade. But when he came in here, I thought he did everything he was supposed to do. And he had moments where he was good, but he also had moments where he was bad. But in an ideal world, Lars Eller is not playing top six minutes in the playoffs. He's playing 10 minutes a game.
0: Lars Eller did the job that he was acquired to do. You got him specifically for his defensive impacts, but I said right when we acquired him, if you are expecting Lars Eller to come in here and be your third line center, even you're not going to have a good time. He's just, he's just not that player anymore. Fourth line. I think he's very effective, strong penalty killer gets himself to the right places. He gets opportunities to score. He does not have finishing ability, but even in the playoffs, there were moments where he was close and the times that he did score in the regular season, which was very few, it's because he puts himself in the right place and he has a high IQ, strong defensive impacts, good fit with this team in a bottom six role. But when you're putting him up, play second line minutes in must win playoff games, like that's not, that's not his fault. Like that you're asking him to play a role well above his station.
1: Well above a station, and he's coming off of a contract where he was making four point five.
0: I think it was three point five. Yeah, it was three point five. 5. It, it was the comfort contract with an extra year on okay. it. Okay, had a three. Po- he had a five year contract at three point five million dollars, and for a long time, I mean, the Capitals have just had incredible center depth for a long time. Where during this current iteration, they've had Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Eller. And good Jay Beagle back in the day, definitely like one of the best fourth line centers of his time, and then immediately replaced him with Nick Dowd. And for a How'd that long
1: team, only win one cup, dude.
0: You're asking, you're <laughs> asking me, man. you are asking me. But Lars Eller for a long time on the Capitals was a a perfect third line center on that team, and was able to produce in important roles with depth scoring, scored one of the biggest goals in Capitals history with the Stanley Cup winning goal. But now that he's here in Colorado and you have the option of signing him before he hits the market, do you think he should be back? Is it worth pursuing at all?
1: I think it's worth pursuing. It's just... Because Lars is, what, 34?
0: He is 34, yes. and He's a fresh 34. Like, six days ago, 34.
1: Like... I only want him back if we sign him for like a million, really. And I don't know if that's what he's going to do. I I, I just, I think Lars Eller, that's a drastic pay cut to take for a guy coming off 3.5. And he probably thinks he has like three good years left in him. It seems like, it seems like, I, I think a million is where I'd like him at. And I don't know if he's going to take that.
0: I think for a guy who's 34 and has seen a significant drop in his offense this season compared to seasons past, it just doesn't move like he used to. He can try to get more money on the open market and maybe he will, but anything over a million dollars, that's, that's going to be a no from me. Honestly, honestly, I think even a million might be pushing it. Like I think for a fourth line center, you are hopefully given him between 800,000 and a million dollars just in that ballpark. If he does that and you are sticking him on the fourth line, he is your fourth line center, nothing more. I think that's fine. I liked the way he played defensively, even in the playoffs, we would come on here after every game and be like, yeah, the depth has been useless, but at least Lars Eller is like kind of doing his job. He was doing something. <laughs> he was doing something. So
1: I, I think, like, I agree, like, if it's anything over a million, it's just too much for that guy. Like, I, I, I think there's better players you can get for that money.
0: Yeah, I mean, even still, I think it's the kind of thing where you sign him if you're running out of money to right. spend on a better fourth line center where if Who knows what they're going to do this offseason if they bring in ex, an ex, another expensive-ish contract or Byram gets a bigger contract than we expect. If money's getting tight, and you only have like a million bucks left to spend, I'd be okay with Lars Zeller. But again, like I said, when we acquired him, like I think there are better ways to spend that money, but there's also worse guys you could be getting. It's not like he sucked. He yeah. was be- He was much better in Colorado than he was in Washington this season. Just for his defensive impact alone and his ability on the penalty kill, I think he's worth a look. I don't, I'm not going to say yes, absolutely bring him back, but I'm not opposed to it for the right price and the right role.
1: That's the key. And I think that's what we said with all these UFAs is it has to be the right price. You cannot overpay for guys with how tight the cap is. You have to be perfect with your cap management,
0: right? Like you can't can't do the, the Cogliano and the Darren Helm one, one, two, five, like you're, you're just not going to have the room for that this time
1: you have to be perfect with the guys you bring back. I like the way Lars Eller played for the abs. And if he's willing to stick around for a million dollars, sign me up. I, I, I would, I would be okay with that, but I just have a feeling that he's, he's going to go somewhere. Like he already has his cup. Like, unless he really wants to win another, I could see him just signing like a, like a two year deal with like a, a shitty team for like 2 million a piece. I don't like
0: who's signing him to 2 million bucks though. Like I just, I don't know if there's a team that's going to value him for that. I don't either, but it it just seems like it's
1: tough for me. Like maybe he has better, like mental strength than I do. But like, I feel like when your ego, when you go from making 3.5 to one, I feel like your ego could take a little bit of a hit.
0: Right. But you also had that for five years during the prime and now you're 34. Right. I mean, it's not Lars Eller that's going to be negotiating this. It's going to be his agent. True. So, and he'll see what the market is. I mean, if he gets like a $1.5 million contract, I think he should take that because that's probably the most he can get. But I, I think you can succeed with Lars Eller on this team in the bottom six.
1: In the bottom six, I agree. I just, for some reason, think like Tampa Bay would sign him too. I could see him going to like Tampa Bay.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I think there's... A lot of teams that can just we need a fourth line center Lars Eller's right there throw throw a million bucks at him we'll bring him over yeah Yeah. but we'll see
1: like I I'm the door's not closed on Lars Eller but I also would not be shocked if he if he doesn't come back
0: yeah it's I'm indifferent on it honestly I'm I'm not gonna shed any tears over Lars Eller walking but if he comes back for eight hundred thousand yeah I mean why not I'd be okay with it I'd be okay with it So. so. Moving on from that one, another one that I, I'm i kind of surprised we're at this point after acquiring him, where when we got Matt Nieto in the, the Martin Cout trade, we're like, okay, guy who we're familiar with has been pretty decent this season, going to give you some depth scoring. And the first couple of games of Matt Nieto, he was great. I, I, I was coming on here saying my only problem with this deal is we haven't done it sooner. And then it seems like after that initial homecoming and the honeymoon again with him. He just kind of disappeared after that and really didn't do a whole lot.
1: Yeah. But he also was playing second line for some points and that is not Matt Nieto's game, not Matt Nieto's game. Um, When it comes to Matt Nieto, you know what you're going to get my, you're going to get a guy with some decent speed can score maybe 10 goals a year. Uh, he's a definition of a bottom six forward. I wouldn't mind having him back. i I don't think he's a bad option to have like that that's just me personally. But I can see why some people soured on him because he was playing second line basically the entire first round series against Seattle once Val disappeared. And that really wasn't fair to him,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just you look at a lot of his game logs. From after he came over, he scored his last goal with this team on March 13th. And from that point on, including the playoffs, he had four points. And all of them were assists on a team that desperately needed depth scoring. I I think his greatest selling point to come back is that everybody likes him. He seems to be a well-liked guy in the locker room. But I've also had a lot of those conversations about like oh, Cagliano's liked, they'll bring him back. Eric Johnson's liked, they'll bring him back on like earlier episodes and everything. You can't just keep handing out contracts because people like you. I think that for Matt Nieto, at least I just I didn't see anything outside of like the first two weeks here that really says like, yeah, bring him back because he did this very well. I just I didn't really see anything from him in the last part of the season. And in the playoffs, he was very quiet. Like we've had conversations about passengers on this team late in the season. And Matt Nieto definitely fit that bill. He was definitely one of the passengers.
1: Yeah. But I also like. Nieto's the type of guy that you can just carry as like your extra forward, which I wouldn't mind. Like him. Play, like if he's not playing every game, I'd be cool with that. But also like you already have that guy and that's Curtis McDermott. He's the guy who's just the extra fill in whenever we're, we're injured type of thing. So I don't know if we have room for another
0: one. Like, and, that, and that's what I mean. Like we're talking like, yeah, he'd be a good extra. Yeah. Like to me, that says like, no, we're done yeah. here.
1: You can have one of the young guys down in the minors, like Foodie, or right, even exactly. Houdon at some point. Like I, I would rather,
0: and... I would rather have John Luke Foodie playing yeah. that because at least he's young and is going to get valuable minutes. Not saying that I would want Foodie to be starting on this team day one, but if you're giving me the choice between bringing back Matt Nieto at like probably what like a million bucks or probably maybe even above that, or John Luke Foodie, I'm I'm gonna take Foodie. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So we'll see what Matt Nieto
1: does. I wouldn't be shocked if he's gone. It'd be very funny if he ends up in San Jose again.
0: It'd Probably will. Funny. He, he seems to like two teams and only goes to both of them. Yeah. It's That'd also be the, very the, funny. The length of this conversation, I think, speaks volumes. Yeah. Like, there, We just don't have a lot to say. About We've already
1: that. said what we need to say about Matt like, Nieto. <laughs> what,
0: what else is there to say about yeah. Matt Nieto? He didn't do much here after we acquired him. Good for a couple of weeks outside of... like. St Louis and Florida where he scored the goals I I'm drawing blanks like not even like a big hit or any sort of like spark that he showed in any particular game like it's just uh he was there he got he got paychecks for every game most notable contribution for the most part and so yep. if he's back it's fine I guess but if he's gone then okay I don't All right. I don't really <laughs> care
1: we're on the same page there.
0: So yeah, moving on from Nieto to Andrew Cogliano, which I think will be an interesting case because the recovery we got from McFarland, he said, is two months. So not quite the career threatener that I was afraid it was going to be right after he takes the the board from Jordan Eberly, which to me, I think he is going to be back because specifically because I think that Landeskog not going to be back next season. I think that opens the door that you kind of might need Cogliano to come back.
1: I might keep this short. So I mean, Andrew Cogliano, if he plays, he's going to be back with the Avalanche. Like yeah. if he decides to keep playing, he's going to be back with Carl Avalanche. Like I, I don't even think we need to like spend too much time on it because Cogliano, he had almost what he had eleven goals this year, ten or eleven goals. Like mm-hmm. that was the most he scored in a long time.
0: Yeah, he, he had, had a pretty yeah. solid year. Yeah, he had 10. I mean, for a while there, it was like mid-January or February where he was like, is Andrew Cogliano really second on this team and even strength scoring right now? And I I think he had a good year. I think that's more of an indictment on everyone else than how great Andrew Cogliano was. And he he wasn't perfect this season. But I think with Gabe Landeskog not going to be around this season, I think we had this exact conversation last episode, is that Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, are very good leaders, but they are very fiery guys. They are very passionate, and they don't give a fuck about yelling. And they are going to get in your face about shit, because they care about winning. And Gabe Landeskog's always been the guy, the, the good cop in the room. And Andrew Cogliano, it's really not a secret how important his leadership was in the Stanley Cup run, where after they lost Game 5 to Tampa, it was Cogliano that brought everyone down and calmed everyone down and got them ready for game six immediately after game five just put a hush on everything and this season without Gabe Landeskog, I think Cogliano has been a very important voice in that room and if for nothing else I think that's worth bringing back if he's not retiring the only way I don't think he's back is if he's not retiring or if, if he is retiring I if agree. he does come back and wants to play I don't see how they let him go yeah, I mean, you're probably gonna have to pay him like maybe one million, maybe. I, I think million or less. I don't see another one point two five.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But if Andrew Cogliano decides to play hockey this year, for it will be for the Colorado Avalanche. He will not play for another team.
0: Yeah, he's he's important. Like you look at like oh, he had 19 points and 10 goals. He's not that important. Like he matters to the room. He does. He's an important part of this team. Whether... And plus, I
1: just want to see him keep being a bionic man.
0: He, he had a rough year last year. I mean, for Andrew Cogliano to miss three games, I mean that's an eternity for him. And for him to miss playoff games, I mean you you know he was suffering through some stuff, and
1: he literally think, broke his neck. too. <laughs> yeah,
0: he literally he literally broke his neck. And I I just think he's really important to this yeah. team. They value him and his leadership. If he can come in and be your fourth line winger maybe even an extra guy, as long as you just have him around, I think his impact is positive. Yep. Agreed. So we can move on from that one. We're both in agreement on that. Cagliano. I mean, not, not for too much, obviously, but at this point in his career, I don't think he's going to be getting a ton anyway. We're getting down to the weeds of it now with Darren Helm. I don't think he's going to be back. Cause I, I think he's just done. Yeah. He
1: should retire. We'll just leave it at that. Like, he, he should retire.
0: I like He's been a good player for a long time. A lot of his career was weighed down in the dark era of Detroit, where he had a very long contract. He had like a 3.85 for five years in just what was a terrible era of Red Wings hockey. Then he comes to the Avs after that, has a decent regular season, and then in the playoffs, scores one of the biggest goals in abs history and probably the second biggest goal of his career just shy of sending the red wings to the the cup final in 2009 i believe that was and was a phenomenal piece in the playoffs starts the season hurt comes back gets hurt again seems like the same injury and then it's just kind of the same thing for the rest of the year comes back for one game in the playoffs takes a shot from will Borgen, and doesn't play again
1: I I don't believe in like destiny, but uh, it, it seems like the hockey gods were probably trying to tell him something.
0: <laughs> it's like, he, I think you need to get the message here. Yeah. This one, you just won a Stanley cup. You scored a huge goal to send the team to the conference final. You're not going out higher than that.
1: No. Agreed. So I, 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 I would love to have Darren Helm back on the team. Cause when he did play, he was great for the avs like great to bet great's a strong word. He was solid for the abs
0: in he his was solid role. in his yeah. role. He was great.
1: Part of me is just nostalgic though. I want to see Cagliano O'Connor and Helm on a line again together because that line was so fucking good in the playoffs. But I think father times caught up with Darren Helm. Like he still has the speed. He still has all of that. But when it's taking you basically a, a full year to get over a, like a oblique injury, like it, it may be time to hang it up.
0: Right. And then immediately you come back in the playoffs and then get a different injury. Yeah. Like it's, you've won two cups. You were an important piece on the last one. You tried, you got the, the 1.25, like it's thirty 36. It just might be time to, to hang it up for right now. And it it's a shame because he's, I think he's still a productive player, but even if he does come back after the amount of injuries he faced this season at 36, are you, are you really going to be that same player again? Yeah, I don't know. I don't see it. And
1: Thanks. just the way he plays too, like the style he plays, he's a grinder and he he's going to get in the mix. Like if your body's getting hurt from that, that's probably just 18 years of being a grinder in the NHL. Right.
0: Like, I, I don't think you can bank on just one last ride. Hopefully I don't get hurt this time and play the way that Darren Helm plays.
1: Right. Exactly. So sadly, I think Darren Holmes going to retire, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, we have two more UFAs left.
0: There's, yeah, there's two more, and they're both on defense. I mean, do we really need to talk about like Alex Galchenyuk? No. no. So
1: I don't really feel like wasting my breath on that.
0: <laughs> I really don't either. Fine in the AHL for the most part, and got his shot in the NHL, and I don't think anyone is signing Galchenyuk to NHL deals anytime soon who dons a UFA and Gustav Rydell is a UFA. He
1: signed with the Swedish league. He's not coming back. Okay,
0: well, there you go. (laughs) So the two left at this point are the Johnsons, Eric Johnson and Jack Johnson, who I think are in a very similar situation. We can talk about Eric first. He's coming off of the $6 million contract that people have talked about for a long time as just being, oh, it's too much money, especially as we got towards the end of it. Now it's over. Now he's 35. Just came off of a season where he broke his ankle, but was still able to come back. Played 63 games. Had the I most... still don't think he came back fully healthy from that. So no, there's no yeah. way he did. There's no way he did. He finished with zero goals in the regular season, but also was like far and away one of the most unlucky players in the yeah. league. Last year we had the only guy who was like over a hundred shots without a goal. At that point, I think the next closest person was like 40 shots behind him. He finishes with eight assists. He gets a goal in the playoffs, finally, but you look at as a whole, 70 games plus the playoffs. He gets nine points. One of them's a goal. It He looked okay this season, but I think it much like Darren Helm and Cagliano, it's a question of if he keeps going. Because if he does... I don't see him going anywhere else. I
1: agree. And this is where my fandom is going to be super biased. Eric Johnson's at like 950 games, I think, played. It's a big deal for NHL players to get to a thousand games.
0: He's at 920 right now. It's a big deal to get to
1: a thousand games, man. Yeah, he'd have to play the
0: full season, though. And...
1: I, he could call it quits. He could, but I want Eric Johnson personally to get a thousand games. I would
0: certainly like to see it, but that gives him two games to miss.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's the smart business move, but personally as a fan for what Eric Johnson's done for the Avs, I would love to see him like that celebration for him for his thousandth game would be one of the greatest celebrations in Avs regular season.
0: It'd be hard to find a guy who deserves that kind of celebration more than
1: well, is. it's just a shame because he should already be at a thousand games, but the luck the guy's had in his career has been
0: right. so fucked. You go back two years ago, he played four games.
1: Yeah. If he plays fifty there, you're like there's no question he's coming back. But I completely agree. I, I think he's either gonna retire or he's gonna sign a one year deal with the Aves.
0: That's it. I also wouldn't be surprised if he gets hired by the team. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they're bringing back Eric Johnson for a a role. somehow. I
1: think he just wants to go hang out with his horses. If he retires,
0: (laughs) he just strikes me as that type of guy. His horses and his wine.
1: Yeah. Like
0: there were, there were just points last season where Eric Johnson was fine, but you can tell like, it's just, it's not the same with him anymore. He's just having trouble moving the same and turning the same, like in the playoffs too. You could tell that like, he's trying his best and he's trying his hardest, but like the hips don't turn the way they used to. Obviously his ankle getting broken didn't help his movement this season. I would be okay with him coming back, but for him to be your penciled in number six guy, I th- I think you could do a little better at this point. Just I agree. Speaking purely I- from a practicality. Yes. But as a fan,
1: I don't see Eric Johnson playing anywhere else. I don't. And I, I think the way it's going to work out is if Eric Johnson decides to play and the abs say, hey, it's not going to be for us, I think he retires at that point. I don't think he wants to play for anyone else other than Colorado.
0: Because he has the cup. Yeah. He, he he has the cup now. They won it last year, and now he's not like going to be the cupless veteran going around teams for three years on minimum contracts just trying to cup chase because he's got it. And he's, he's coming off of the big contract. I I personally think that he might have a little more in him and that he's going to stick around. And it's going to be probably around a million bucks.
1: I agree. And I want that for him so he can get to his thousandth game. I, I, mean, I just think that'd be really cool.
0: I really hope he can do that. And I, I really hope it's here more than anything else. Because he's important. Eric Johnson, again, like Cogliano, like I talked about, is a guy that matters in the room. He is, as of right now, I b- believe the longest tenured Av more than yes. last dog. And so he's the longest tenured guy on the team. You just don't want him going anywhere else. He, you either hope he comes back or that he just retires an Av.
1: I think he's 50 50 right now, like 50% retired, 50% may play.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So
1: biasly, I want him back from like a strategic team building aspect, it may not be the best call.
0: Yeah. Like to, to have him signed to be your number five or number six guy on your bottom pair, like it was this year, he's another year older. I just think that's, you're going to be looking for a replacement by the deadline.
1: Agreed. Agreed. So we'll see what happens with EJ. Let's move on to the other Johnson, Jack Johnson, who, (laughs) I don't think he was bad. I did not think he was bad with the abs. Um, He actually played in the playoffs and he really didn't like have a moment where it was like fucking Jack Johnson, man. Like he's been solid with the abs. He's the same age as EJ or is he a year older?
0: He's a year older,
1: year older. I don't know what he's going to do because last year I thought he would have resigned with us, but then he went and signed with Chicago and it was a dumpster fire there. Like, I I don't know what Jack Johnson's going to do. Um, I think he's more comfortable than Eric Johnson with being the seventh defenseman.
0: I, I would, think he is. I would agree with that. And I think it's going to be one or the other. If Eric Johnson comes back, I don't see Jack Johnson coming back. If Jack Johnson comes back, I don't see Eric Johnson coming back. And I, I think he would be fine as the seventh defenseman. In Chicago, he was bad, but mm-hmm. also so is everyone in Chicago. And then he came here and was like surprisingly pretty good. Especially in the regular season, like he picked up even a couple of points, he was a plus ten, and again, just did everything you asked of him. And in the playoffs, he he comes into it hurt, which yeah. I like. He hurt himself in warmups somehow, and comes back for three games. And I mean, he wasn't that noticeable, but that's fine for a bottom pairing defenseman. Like I'm not, I wouldn't hate it if he's back. But again, much like Eric Johnson, if you're signing him to be an eighty-two game player. Probably not going to be all that great.
1: Biased again, Jack Johnson kicks ass, so I want, I want him Johnson.
0: back. Yeah, I love I Jack just, Johnson. No. I love him. Biased, I want Jack Johnson back. So
1: those last two, I'm gonna let my bias get in the way, and it's it's not smart for the abs, but I'm gonna let my bias get in the way there.
0: Yeah, I, I think you can bring back one of them as a solid option for your seventh defenseman. Agreed, and just keep them around they're they're both important guys in the room jack johnson's always been called the the team dad it's been it's basically between him and eric johnson for for team dad it seems at this point <laughs> and we'll we'll see where it goes with them i wouldn't mind one i think two would be kind of odd cuz then one of them's going to have to be playing full time which like it's not terrible for them to be playing full time but again i i just think there are better options to be spending that role on at this point
1: Agreed, and if your dreams of Scott Mayfield are going to come true, then neither of them are going to be back.
0: Right. I mean, I would very much like to have Scott Mayfield on this team. If you can somehow be the team out of like the 20 that are probably going to sign him this offseason, I would love to see Scott Mayfield end up on the bottom pair, just to give that team still the best defense in the league. But we'll see where it goes with the Johnsons in time, Other than that, there's really not any other UFAs of true note to be talking about, unless you have any strong thoughts on Josh Jacobs.
1: That's a football player's name. That's pretty much it.
0: He's a guy. (laughs) He's a guy. We have him. Former second-round pick of the New Jersey Devils, for sure. Played 43 games with the Eagles. Do you have any strong hot takes on what the Avs should do with Josh Jacobs? Man, I, I think he's just waiting for his opportunity. It's, you just never know. Sometimes guys are late bloomers. Yeah, you never know. He could be Devontae's 2.0. You never know. And Jonas Johansson is not coming back. He is going to Sweden. Sweden. I going to Sweden. And Keith Kincaid, do you have any opinions on Keith Kincaid coming back?
1: I wouldn't be shocked if he's back now because the HL needs the they need another goalie with uh, Johansson leaving. So. I wouldn't be shocked if
0: he's back to back up Ananen. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see that being the case, yeah. just having an and kincaid tandem next year for the Eagles. But that covers the UFAs for the Avs or the upcoming UFAs for them. We talked a little bit about the RFAs in the last episode. And- Doesn't that episode feel like it was three weeks ago? Is it The off season's fucking weird, man. Especially yeah. when you come fresh off the playoffs where you're doing one every other day. To go back to like oh we're only doing two a week right? yeah I have that, thoughts now
1: that episode feels like fucking three weeks ago I don't know why um, but yeah like you said that was yeah blows my mind because you do get in the playoff mode and then it ends just like that and you're like well shit now we're back to our two days a week
0: yeah I'm not short I'm not used to the the short playoff run where you right. get a, a week out of it basically and they're like oh <laughs> okay I as I guess we'll go home now yeah. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsors at Raycon. If you're anything like me, you've been asking yourself the question of what is wrong with headphones today? Why is everything so expensive? Why does everything sound so bad? And why does it just never fit in my ears? But thankfully, our sponsor today at Raycon has got you covered. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point so you can listen to what you want when you want without breaking the bank, Raycon believes that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of those other big name tech brands. They have easy and free return guarantees, and best of all, they've got plenty of features three customizable sound profiles noise isolation, crystal clear call quality, and eight hours of playtime on their everyday earbuds and they're water and sweat resistant. And what I love the most, they fit. They've got custom gel tips for the perfect most comfortable in ear fit. What a crazy concept. Headphones that actually fit in your ears. So what are you waiting for? Go to raycon.com slash THPN today to get fifteen percent off your Raycon order. That's by Raycon.com slash THPN to score fifteen percent off. Now back to the episode.
1: Let's let's move on to the playoff recap because like we said last episode, the second rounds kind of sucked. Um but this last like four days there's actually been some good second round hockey games like some real solid ones the biggest story of them all uh the toronto maple Leafs win game four and then lose game five to the florida panthers and it's very funny to watch leafs twitter in the span of two weeks go from this team's winning the cup to right back to trade everyone i find that very funny
0: it it was the worst case scenario for yeah. the second round for them to just get absolutely pumped by the Panthers. That series was not close. The Panthers the Panthers looked like they were just having such a great time in that series. Did they not just look like they were having so much fun?
1: They did. Like They, they looked like a team that was playing with nothing to lose. They and I thought like, that's what the Leafs would look like.
0: They looked like they were playing against a team that just was not giving them any trouble. Like, right. physically or mentally. They they were just having a ball out there.
1: And the point is, I still think the Leafs were the most talented team left in the playoffs. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like,
0: I, I, it doesn't matter. But
1: it was... It, and the way they lo, lose, to Like, there's the controversy of the no-goal goal. goal um, and then... I, I still don't know how the refs missed that on Radko Gudis on the game-winning goal. He clearly interferes with... Um, I forget who it was. It may have been Cali Yarncro. I think it was like, Yarncro, He clearly yeah. holds a stick and <laughs> blocks him from getting in the shooting lane, and the refs don't have the balls to call it. Um, I think Leafs fans should be more upset about that than the no goal.
0: See, my thing with the no goal thing is I don't have a problem with the call because based on what we have, that's the right call. I just don't understand how we're still using camera angles to determine this. Like, It's 2004. And we're talking about Martin Jelena. Did he score against Tampa Bay? And should Calgary have won the Stanley Cup? That was 19 years ago. And we're still trying to find camera angles to see if the puck was in the net. When we have the technology, we have chips in the puck. We have puck tracking technology. You can tell me based on a slap shot that that puck went 90 miles per hour, but you can't tell me if a puck was in the net and we have to – look at every single camera angle, which would work if there wasn't a six foot three man covered in enough padding to stop a bullet sitting on the puck, then maybe we'd be able to tell. I just don't understand how it's like, yeah, it was probably in the net, but we have no proof. The fuck are you talking about? You you have this technology. You can use it whenever you'd like to just say if a puck crossed the goal line. I don't get it.
1: I don't get it either. It would just make... Like, the thing that frustrated me most about it is there was no, like, you didn't figure out what the decision was for, like, fucking 10 minutes. I didn't know what the original call on the ice was until they went to review. And that, I think, screwed the Leafs more. Because if they would have called that a goal on the ice, then you wouldn't have had indisputable video evidence to overturn the call. So the reason why the Leafs kind of got screwed is because if they would have called that a goal on the ice, then... They wouldn't have overturned it. And it's it's tough. It's a tough build to swallow if you're a Leafs fan, but also they they got their asses kicked this whole series. Like yeah. Sergei Bobrovsky was somehow has turned back into Columbus Sergey Bobrovsky and has been phenomenal since he replaced Alex Lyon. And for the Leafs, you you cannot have Austin Matthews not score a goal. Mitch Marner only gets one goal in the series. John Tavares was a no-show. And William Nylander was the only one who was solid. Like, that's the reason why you lost, is because your best players weren't your best players.
0: Right. You, can, you can't you can get one goal from Austin Matthews, or zero goals from Austin Matthews in that series, zero goals from John Tavares, and only one from Marner. Got Guys who combined take up $33 million in cap. Like, a, absurd. Amount of money and to have Joseph wall come in these games and actually play well, where he basically gets them the win in game four and stops 40 shots in game five. It, like, yeah, Bobrovsky was great. Most goalies at this point in the season are that it's not, it's the same excuse every time with the Leafs, like, Oh, this goalie was just so hot. It's kind of the job at this point. You, you're getting paid to stop pucks and I just, you look at this Leafs team, like, I don't know what else they do other than a massive shakeup. I don't what know what they have to do.
1: And the player who's going to more than likely get moved is fucking William Nylander, who I think was their best player in the playoffs.
0: Which is, which is such a tough pill to swallow. Cause like you just said, was the best player in the playoffs and has been the best player in the playoffs year over year for them. Like, I, I think it has to be Marner. Honestly, I I don't think that contract's too big, dude. You can find a way for someone to take Mitch Marner for as good of a player as he is. You can find a way. It's not going to be for the return you want, but you can find a way to move it. And I I think
1: that's why they won't do it is because they're expecting like this godly return for him and they just aren't going to get it. And nothing's going to change. I saw one. I, I saw one hypothetical. I forget where I saw it, where it was like Panarin for Marner. Would you make that trade?
0: Maybe I don't yeah. know. It's like
1: I think you know, Martin would kick ass on the Rangers. I think Panarin would suck with the Leaves.
0: I don't. I just don't think if you're trading Marty, you can take on a similar contract. You need right. to spread that money out. Otherwise, like nothing's gonna change here. Yeah, in seven years, and they won one playoff series. Everyone, always and they cares. shouldn't have even won this one. <laughs> yeah, that, that like the up. one time like they genuinely got outplayed and they actually won it. And people have talked about this Leafs team as like oh, this great regular season team. Like, Yeah, they've had good regular seasons, like best in franchise history, for, for the Leafs is not saying a lot. But they've only won their division once, and that was in the shitty Canadian division. They've never won a President's Trophy. They've never won their conference in the regular season. And the one time they did win their division, they blew a 3-1 lead in the playoffs. This team has accomplished absolutely nothing. And yeah, they're in the Atlantic, which is tough. Good teams exist in the NHL, and you should find a way to beat them eventually. I, d- I don't know how you can continue to to run back this team, especially when you actually got out of the first round and you don't have the excuse of a curse anymore, that there's just demons hanging out in Toronto Maple Leafs H- HQ. They did it. They won a round, and then they were worse. Like th- They yeah. don't have it.
1: They don't have it, and – The Leafs are going to be interesting this offseason, but dude, the Florida fucking Panthers, like this is the team we thought we were going to get last year. And holy shit, like this team kicks ass like Matthew Kachuk is awesome. Barkov's kind of woken up Verhage, Duclair, like this was the team we were expecting last year. And dude, I, I find myself cheering for the, the Panthers to win the cup.
0: Oh, yeah, that's the team I want to win the cup. 100% 100% I'm cheering for the Panthers to win the cup out of the, the six teams that are left. It is 100% Florida yeah. to be fair by process of elimination. Cause I, the, my second favorite team left is Seattle and still got some problems with them. And plus like second year team winning a cup in year two, like that, that's how you make another Vegas fan base. Yeah. I don't think we want to deal with that. No. And out of all the other West teams left Vegas, you eh. Oilers, absolutely Ew. not. Dallas for several reasons carolina i just don't like personal reasons so that really just leaves florida as the only team that i think would be cool to win but you mentioned kachuk like he didn't even score in this series but he was noticeable and he made his presence felt multiple times which matthews didn't marner didn't Tavares didn't and i just i don't know how as the maple leafs you can continue to run this team out there and like, is, is Shanahan going to be back? Is Dubas going to be back? I don't think Keefe is going to be back. I think there are massive changes coming to that team.
1: Dude, but here's the thing. Sheldon Keefe did everything in his power to make this team good. Like, he went mean? and got the players. Like, you mean he was the most active at the trade deadline and made the team better. They just did not perform. You mean you mean Dubas, right? Yeah. Who did I say? You said Keefe. Oh, yeah. I meant Dubas. Like, yeah. Dubas did his job. Like... That, I, I think, thought Dubas put a good team out there, and I thought they were the most talented. I just think your stars didn't show up.
0: That's my thing. Is like I genuinely agree that Kyle Dubis has, for the several years, I think, done a really good job at building a team that can win a Stanley Cup. Like you got Ryan O'Reilly, you got Sam Lafferty, you got Nola Chari, you got a whole bunch of defensemen, Luke Shen, Eric Gustafson. Like they got a whole bunch of guys that fill needs that this team had, and your core guys didn't show. So I don't know how they can look their fan base in the eyes for next season and be like yeah we yeah the same four guys are back but we picked around the edges again and this time it's going to work.
1: Yeah. It's going to work this time. And it's just going to be tough. I I really think cuz Matthews is in his last year next year, right? His last year. I don't think he's coming back, dude. I uh, I don't think he's going to re-sign with Toronto. Like I think Austin Matthews could be traded next year.
0: I mean if if he We'll know with an extension because it's an, it's the same as Devontae's conversation. Right. He can sign an extension July 1st. If he doesn't sign one like quickly, I think you have to entertain that conversation because you cannot let him walk.
1: Would he be the highest rental player to ever, like, could you imagine what they would get back for him?
0: That's exactly my point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if, if you have any doubt that Austin Matthews isn't coming back, you can't let that contract run out. Cause what, like for what one more run, with this core and, and then you just lose him for nothing. The city I, would burn,
1: they would burn, but Holy shit. Would that be like, what do you think the return for an Austin Matthews would be at a trade deadline?
0: I have absolutely no idea. I mean, I'm I'm thinking off season trade, honestly.
1: Oh dude, I could see him being a trade deadline one. Like imagine it, it gets to it and he's like, we're gonna play out the season, see how it goes. And we fucking get to like halfway in the season. The Maple Leafs are in the exact same position. And it's like.
0: See, but that that's my thing is like, I think if it gets past like the first month past the extension deadline or whenever it opens on July 1st, if we're in August. I think you have to entertain that conversation then.
1: Yeah. Like, Austin Matthews getting traded would be absurd. Like, that is. Like, I thought Patrick Line got traded for a lot. The Austin Matthews would get so many draft picks and so many prospects. Like I could see Arizona selling the fucking farm for Austin Matthews.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. They like, would get a ransom for what they would get for. It would probably be one of the biggest trades in NHL history.
1: Probably. We haven't seen a trade like that since Eric Lindros.
0: Yeah. Like, but
1: that's true. Conspiracy theory. Yeah, shit. I, if I, we get I, in there, I don't I, see I, that happening. I agree with you. It's more likely going to be Marner or Nylander because no one's going to take Tavares. It's Morgan intense. Riley is unmovable. A, yeah, Morgan Riley's is an average defenseman. Like he was great in the playoffs, but eh, not really also, my jam.
0: That that contract's still twenty thirty. No one's yeah. touching that. No That's one's touching guy, that. It's going to be already, Marner and Elander for a guy who's already twenty nine. And Morgan Riley, yeah. like, nobody's going to be touching that. Like Tavares is is unmovable, and End has a no movement clause. Like what team has a second line center need to, that needs to be filled so badly that they need to take an eleven million dollar center? It's, it's not like Tavares sucks. Like, I think they can keep no. Tavares and be fine, but the combination does not work with yeah. these guys. And William Nylander, like, he's honestly, I think it might have to be Nylander now that I'm saying it out loud because he has one year left at basically $7 million. And whoever
1: gets him is going to be a very happy team.
0: Yeah. It's the only way they can get back a solid return. But I just, I don't know. It's, it's a tough situation. Uh, it, it almost feels worse that they won a round this time. Yeah, it does. I, oh, great. We won five games instead of three this time out of 16. And we don't even get the excuse of we're just cursed with right. demons, it, demons and wizardry. Like we actually won one and it wasn't Boston on the other side. It was Florida. The and you worst, that. The worst team in the playoffs going into it. The lowest point total going into the playoffs. And they got killed. It's. I don't know how you can run it back. I, I don't either, but I'm I'm never a proponent of tearing down talented teams, but I just, there's been nothing. There hasn't even been a point where it's like they won a president's trophy and been the best team in the league in the regular season. They've accomplished nothing and it hasn't Zero. changed. Like Zero. they looked worse in the second round when it should have been the emotional weight was lifted off of their shoulders. It's like I was saying earlier, like, The most damning thing is that Florida looked like they were just having a great time in that series. Nothing the Leafs did made their life difficult.
1: Nope. Nothing.
0: So that's
1: the East. The Panthers will be matching up with the Carolina Hurricanes. The Hurricanes win in overtime against the New Jersey Devils. To advance to the Eastern Conference Final, that was the best game of the series, and it still was kind of boring.
0: Yeah. It was an overtime overtime game and not a blowout. So it automatically made it more exciting than all the other games in that series. New Jersey, like they, they just, they need, they have some work to do in the offseason. They They should have won that game. Yeah.
1: They played better than Carolina, but Timo Meyer missed that wide open net. I think Bastion hit a post. Like they should have won that game. They got kind of screwed.
0: You know, the funniest thing about this Eastern Conference final to me, is that at the trade deadline we were like, oh my god, this arms race in the East. Yeah. Oh, the, Ra- the Rangers got Sanko and they got Kano, but the Devils just went and got Timo Meyer, and the Leafs just got Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, the Bruins, Orlov, Bertuzzi, all the guys they got Hathaway. It is an arms race, and the two teams in the conference final are the teams that did the least. The Panthers yeah. did. The Panthers did nothing, and the Hurricanes got Shane Goss to spare basically no i got puyarvi too dude got okay They got is he even played Uh, i think he played in one game yeah played a game in the playoffs but still both of them have their first round picks or no florida traded theirs last year to montreal so neither of them traded a first round pick at the deadline this year
1: the panthers would have but they they're out of them they don't
0: they literally don't have any so i think it's going to be a fun series i also think the the narrative of like oh this is bad for the nhl that there's no big market teams in the conference final and the salary cap's not gonna go up like we need to stop i i I really think we need to stop with this you don't own espn you don't own Sportsnet, you don't own tnt and guys we had a very good final four last year with the rangers playing the lightning the two-time defending champs in the conference final and on the other side you had mckinnon taking on mcdavid you had like four of the top players in the world in the same series with McDavid and Dreisaitl, McKinnon, McCarr. You can throw Rantanen in that conversation too. And how much did the salary cap go up, Christian? Well, you already told me, so I'm going to spoil it for you. $1 million. Right. $1 million. In the same season that we had a brand new TV deal kick in with ESPN and TNT that injected hundreds of millions of dollars into the league. Also year one of an expansion team who injected hundreds of millions of dollars into it with expansion fees and also still made a lot of money despite not being very good in year one, $1 million increase. And if it was Toronto and New Jersey in the Eastern Conference final, guys, the salary cap is not getting touched anyway. We have had so so much injections of cash into this league, and they're doing fine revenue-wise. They're making money. It's not like this league's not making money and that's why the cap's not going up. It's because of the revenue split between the owners and the players and how much money the players owe the owners still and how much they continue to kick that down the road. That's why it's not going up. All the advertisements we see on the jerseys and the helmets and everyone talking like, oh, if this matchup happens, if this team goes deep, the salary cap's going to go up. No, it's not. We need to stop falling for that trap that the salary cap's going to go up if this happens. No, it's not. Just enjoy the hockey between Carolina and Florida because that's going to be a great series. That is a genuinely fascinating series that I don't have a winner for off the top of my head right now. Just enjoy it. You don't That own- series is going to kick
1: ass, dude. you going to kick like-
0: ass. And you don't own the TV rights. Maybe the ratings aren't going to be very good. You can still enjoy the game. And if you, and if you don't want to watch it, you don't have to. You don't have a gun to your head. You don't have to. And I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. I think it's going to be a really
1: fun series. I think both those teams match up well against each other. And yeah, there's not the star power like the household names, but Matthew Chuck's an American born. He's entered into superstar territory. He's a superstar now. He's a heart finalist. Um, you have Spashnaho, who's a good player, Bobrovsky's well known. Like there's a lot of good players in the series. And Last year, this very well could have been an Eastern Conference final between these two teams. Yeah. Like, this was, this they was were two almost, of the best teams in the East.
0: This was almost a first round matchup this yeah. year. If Florida won one more game, this would have been happening in round one. And I, also, the people saying, like, oh, the small market teams in the West that are still left, what, Seattle, Vegas, Dallas? You think those are small markets? Seattle is such a cash cow for this oh, yeah. league in just two years. So is Vegas. Dallas is the lone Texas representation of the NHL. They make money. And the other team left is Edmonton. None of them are small markets. All of them are going to make money for the league by going on a playoff run. So and if you look at this in a sick way, like Florida being good at hockey and having two
1: good hockey teams and the Panthers and the lightning is good yes. because Florida is a massive state with a ton of people.
0: Yes. And like, it's good for small market teams to do well. That's how you build fan bases again. Florida going on a run is good for that market. And it's a massive stadium that they have at FLA live. Like they're going to sell those games out and that's going to make a lot of money still. And Flor- they're
1: basically in Miami. Miami is a massive market.
0: Miami, and you is, can get- Miami is thriving right yeah. now. Sports wise. Like
1: that's what I'm saying, man. Like I'm not saying that Miami needs anything more good to happen to them. Cause they live in fucking Miami, but. This is going to be a fun series, and I'm looking forward to it. You say Dallas, I don't want to see Dallas in the final just because I hate them. But Dallas is also a huge media market; like they're going to get asses and seats for that. So it's just it can get exhausting with these types of matchups. Like just just enjoy the hockey.
0: Yeah, I just get so annoyed when the narrative is like, "Well, it's not the Rangers or a Canadian team, so they're small markets, and the NHL is dying." No, the NHL is dying because the people who run this league are seventy and they don't care about the the state of the league, not because Florida is going on a playoff run. Like It's going it, to kick
1: ass, man. Yeah, I, I, it, I think whatever cup final we get is going to be awesome. Yeah. Like I'm going to watch the shit out of it.
0: Like, and, it's not as good as it was last year. That's that is fine. It happens. Last year was ridiculous. Yeah, it happens.
1: Um, But that one's going to be fun. Let's wrap up the rest in the West. Uh, Dallas and Seattle are going to a game seven. That game is tonight. By the time you're listening to this, this series has been each team winning in a blowout other than
0: game one. It's a weird series, yeah, it's just a really like, weird series because Seattle, like they're they're playing hard. They look they good. are Dallas and, has been weirdly disappointing this series. i I really don't know what happened. Like they're getting depth and they look good. They were leading the series three to two. I'm not saying they've looked bad, but I was kind of expecting more. From them, especially was Jake gottinger who yes. looks very human in this series.
1: Yes. It's, it's, this would be a bigger disappointment for Dallas to lose than I think the Avs losing to Seattle, because this was, da- this is Dallas's year.
0: The the but, path for Dallas is wide open, right? Yeah. Now. With, with the Avs being gone and already taking care of Minnesota, you got Seattle in round two, man. The, the path is open. And Jason Robertson, like he's been good in the series, but he's not on the board really. I don't think at all goals wise. And if if not for what Joe Pavelski's eight goals in this series, like this might already be over if not for that. And Seattle, like they, they, I got to give them credit. They adjusted very well to the Dallas matchup that I, I wasn't sure they were going to be able to do with how for a lot of the Av series, they were able to get their way until the Av started firing I was worried that when they matched up against Dallas, they were going to get Jason Robertson and Hintz firing and get depth from the rest of their lineup that I thought Seattle would have trouble matching up with. They've done a great job at neutralizing it, and they've adjusted well. And again, they're just getting so much score. I don't remember seeing this much depth scoring, you know, because it kind of seems like it's all depth scoring, just the way this team is built but they've got four second lines that are just really good. And it's not even like Grubauer has been great in this. No. Series. He's been in all the losses. He's been terrible. <laughs> yeah. And even in a lot of the wins, he hasn't been great.
1: Yeah. Like in, just ottinger has
0: been worse in game six. He had 20 saves on 23 shots. Like he was not anything special. He's he's worse than he was in the Av series by right. far, but Seattle, they just, they work so hard and they're just finding a way to get it done. We'll see where game seven goes, but I, I'm going to call it right now. I, I think the Kraken win it. I was going to say, I like Seattle to win yeah. that game. They just don't quit. I think it's going to, it might be a weirdly high scoring game seven, just based on how this goaltending has been. But for the stars to win, like, it's great that you're getting Mason Marchment and Ranta to score. And like Wyatt Johnson's having himself a nice series. But they, they need Jason Robertson. It's the opposite of the problem that the Avs had against Seattle, where it's all the top guys. Dallas is getting decent depth scoring. Like they they need yeah. more from Jason Robertson and Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan. They're kind of quiet. And like Rope Hens has been good this series. Isn't he tied with like tricytal?
1: Oh, Rope Hens has been awesome.
0: Yeah, Rope Hens has been incredible. He has 18 points in 12 games. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's not doing enough, but they they need a little more from their top yeah. guys. And Seattle just looks like they're rolling right now. They have I, no
1: pressure in this game tomorrow. They, don't. they have no pressure.
0: They're already in the second round. Who yeah. cares if they lose this game? They have They have already dominated this season. Whoever wins the Stanley Cups, obviously going to be the winner this year. Second is Seattle, Correct. without question, no matter what. They have won so many Cups this year alone, just with the way things have gone. They, they, like This is the kind of season that you can build a franchise on. Yep. They, they have done so well. I I also
1: selfishly just want to see Berkey play because he's going to play in round three. So
0: this is my best case scenario is that if Seattle takes out Dallas guys, that makes us look a lot better. Like I was worried that Seattle was going to get walked in this series and that Dallas was just going to take care of them. And then like, Oh, well, the Avs got crushed by the Kraken who got crushed by the stars. But if Seattle takes care of business and they go to the Western conference final, and we took them seven, even with our injured roster. I mean, it's it's going to make us look just fine still.
1: Yeah, going to make us look just fine. Dushane's making a guest appearance on the show right now. We almost made it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Dallas loses this, that
0: is way worse than the Avs loss in my that opinion. That is such a disappointment. Yeah. honestly, with the way this team is, it's like the Avs have an excuse. And you can look at this as like, this is just like a built-in down year after the cup. Where Dallas, they had a very good season, were leading the division for the most part, lost it on the last day, and got to the second round. Don't even have to play a healthy Avs team. They're getting the Kraken. Lead the series three to two. If they if they don't pull this off, like it's not a guarantee that this team is gonna be as good next year.
1: Yeah. Agree. Like is Jamie Bang gonna score 82 points again? I don't think so. Um, but we'll have to see. I'm gonna go with the Kraken. I think Kraken win that game. Uh, mostly just so I can feel better as an abs fan and the final series to talk about. And the game's actually just starting because ESPN and their genius marketing team decided to put on the only NHL game.
0: This is so embarrassing. Yeah. The only NHL game genuinely embarrassing that the Oilers and Golden Knights is starting right now. And we are being forced to watch the ninth inning of a nine one baseball game.
1: Oh, it's in, it's on ESPN two.
0: It's on ESPN two, but still, The fact that they're not moving this game to ESPN2 and we're the game six of the best second round series with the best player on earth is getting bumped to ESPN2 so that we can finish this 9-1 baseball game like us. Like that is embarrassing.
1: It's dumb, dude. Like, why are we fucking waiting for baseball? And why is this game being played at 8 p.m. on a fucking Sunday night? Just so dumb. Um I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I could old takes expose myself here. I think Edmonton wins this game six big.
0: I do too, but also the the shocking thing about this is like, did you see the odds for Vegas in this game? Like plus one sixty five. Yeah, that is that's a crazy line, isn't it?
1: It is, but also I think Vegas has gotten extremely lucky in this series.
0: I I totally agree, but it's also the you you get better odds just betting Vegas money line than for the Oilers to win by two. Wait, 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 wait. Is Jack Campbell starting? I think that I thought I saw that it was uh, Skinner. It was Is Hill. it Skinner? Okay, hang no. on. I just, That's that
1: looked like Jack Campbell's pad set up when they were just showing.
0: They, they him. said Friedman said Hill versus Skinner tonight. Okay,
1: good. All right. That makes me feel a lot better. But yeah, I think the Oilers win this game big. And I think this one's going 7 2.
0: I do um, think this, is, this has been a very fun series, not because the games have been very close outside of game five. But this is a nasty fucking series. Oh, yeah. we, I don't think we even talked about the Petrangelo suspension and the Nurse suspension. I, what Alex Petrangelo did, like, that is intense to injure. Like, yeah. he was going into that play with the intention of breaking Leon Dreisaitl's wrist. Like, there is no other way to describe that. And his defense is like, well, they've been dirty to me all series. So you did mean to hurt him. Yeah. He you know, like, only got to spend in one game. Yeah, it's... A one game suspension, like, to me, that just says, okay, free reign. The, the, agreed. George Peros, dude, you've got to fucking kick rocks, If You don't know what you're doing. And here's the thing, like, what, Nurse, why did Nurse get suspended? I agreed that it, fight was stupid. Automatic. It was an automatic rule, but they could have overturned it. But yeah. it's also, put, like, Petrangelo's getting suspended, so they probably feel like they have to suspend Nurse to keep it even. Like, no, you don't. No, no it doesn't have to be that way enforce the rules protect your players it doesn't you don't need to be putting yourselves in situations like this but it's also because like evander kane didn't get suspended for cross-checking petrangelo in the face so now it's like you can't enforce too harsh of a punishment because it's not fair this is why george buddy you just gotta do your fucking job man there is no rhyme or reason for this guy to be the head of player safety next year he had if there is the biggest loser in this playoffs it is Paros. he yeah. has gotten destroyed and co- has shown beyond a reasonable doubt that he is completely inept
1: yes agreed agreed
0: but game 6 who you thinks winning i think the oilers are going to win it but i have money on vegas just cuz i think those, those odds are crazy yeah. and i might as well just take them cuz i think it's a 50-50 game
1: yeah i, I think edmonton win and they'll go to game 7 game 7 will be on tuesday I'm going to take Edmonton. I am. I don't feel great about it, but I think they're the better team. And it would be the most Edmonton Oilers thing ever to lose to the fucking Vegas Golden Knights this year. This is
0: just such a close series. No matter how you slice, I I could see Vegas wrap it up tonight and not be too surprised. I I could see the Oilers just dominate the next two games.
1: Yeah, I could too,
0: and wrap this series up. But it just seems like that no momentum sticks in this series. And I I think Vegas got a little lucky last game. So I'm taking Edmonton to win tonight. And I I think I'd like them to win the series. Because when a series follows a particular pattern, like one team wins and the other wins all the way down to game six, it almost feels like in game seven, you're just due for the team to win two in a row. So I'm going to take Edmonton to win both and still win this series. I like that. Or uh, Vegas just scored, 24 seconds in. Jesus Christ. All right. Wow. Like, I spoke, I'm going to take Edmonton to win the next two games, and Riley Smith immediately put it in the net. Why do I speak, like, ever? Wow. Oh, that's so funny. I could not have timed that sentence any better. Did Skinner just flip that right to him? It looked like it. Yeah. Oh, man, Stort's getting not not a good look, man. Oh, oh that's, that's a problem. That's a tough one. So anyway, before we get too much onto the the bad radio. Uh at least we got that before the the show ended. So one nothing nights, we'll see how that game goes. By the time you're listening to this, get that game will be done and dusted, but I am ready to wrap this one up yep. here. Let's do it. So, again, thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of The Told it, it Is Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code TellItAbsItIs on Seakeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian Belay, And you can follow the show at TellItAbsItIs. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. I just have to finish with... They showed the Knights game for two seconds on a half screen on ESPN, and they're insistent on showing the. Bottom. Oh
1: shit! Edmonton just scored to tie it. It's one-one. Co-
0: <laughs> couldn't Connor <see> McDavid it. <laughs> couldn't see it because they are insisting on showing a <laughs> the bottom inning of a nine-one baseball game. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. Is that not so embarrassing that uh. they, won't, they won't turn this game off to put the the Knights and Oilers game on? Like, we're, we're going to wrap, but holy shit. Okay, thank you. I Again, I finish my sentence, and they do exactly that. So you get two goals in less than a minute. And it's a 1-1. We'll see where that game goes, but we're going to wrap here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go, Abs. Oh, my God, they just cut back in the baseball game. <laughs> okay, we're done. See you guys later. Let's go, Abs. We'll catch you next time.